Here in Orlando, Florida, O-Town Compost is leading the composting revolution, recycling organic waste into a nutrient-rich resource. Join Charlie Pioli, founder of O-Town Compost, as we hear from the nation's leading voices behind the grassroots community composting movement. Welcome to the Community Composting Podcast. If you enjoy the Community Composting Podcast and want to support future episodes, please follow the link in the episode show notes to give a small monthly reoccurring donation, even if it's $5 to $10 a month. We'll continue to come out with killer content to keep the grassroots movement rolling. Hi, welcome to episode number 44 of the Community Composting Podcast. Today, I have Sammy Davies with EcoSafe Zero Waste, uh, co-workers with one of my great mentors, Gary Bilbro. Uh, he was on an earlier podcast episode, but welcome, Sammy. Um, I, I mean, Gary speaks very highly of you. I'm just wondering, how did you get started in the industry? What is your genesis story? Thanks, Charlie. Um, and thanks, Gary, too, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, well, getting involved in the industry was such an interesting ride for me. Um, I can kind of date it back to when I graduated university back in 2014. Wow. And uh, I couldn't find a job. I studied with environmental studies. And so what I did while I looked around for jobs was started a blog about litter pickups in the community. And so that's where I really started to see that impact of waste um, along the streets in my hometown and, and yada, yada. So Fast forward. Yeah, I'm from a a small town in Georgina, Ontario, up in Canada. So it was about an hour north of Toronto. And uh, so a lot of different things going on up here um, in comparison to where you're at, Charlie. But um, yeah, yeah, fast forward to um, I started working at a fintech company just shortly after that in digital marketing. And I became really good friends with the hauler of the office building because I was the little, you know, sustainability champion at the time. And my hauler friend, who is actually now my roommate, she was picking up food scraps from all the offices in the area, bringing it back to her farm. And she has a vermicomposting business and soil output business called Jocelyn Soil Booster. So that's really where I started to think about the impact of food scraps, ensuring all my, you know, coworkers aren't putting any cans or stickers and things like that into the bin. I was always on our Slack channel just saying, hey, guys, there's a there's a can or some, you know, some contamination in the bin. Don't do that. Right. And Mm -hmm. people need those reminders. And and so then, yeah, flash forward couple years later, I moved out across the country to British Columbia. And it was just before COVID hit. And I I was searching for a job. And I just assumed that moving out west would be a better fit for me because there's a lot of environmentally conscious people out there. And I met my my now um, co-worker and boss, Rick, um, who you may have heard of. And anyways, I I met him at the Globe Summit and long story short, started working at EcoSafe as the learning and development specialist. So the the career path was never linear for me, but I've been in the industry now almost three years. 
and I've learned a ton. There's so much going on and it's, it's really exciting. So yeah. So describe story. your job with, uh, you know, EcoSafe, which is one of the world's largest compostable bag and product menu, uh, I guess not manufacturer, but suppliers and they really kind of facilitate uh, the growth of the compost industry in North America. I mean, Canada is, you know, a step ahead of the United States, but I feel like we have a lot of potential and we're catching up. So yeah, describe your job though. I, I'm curious. Yeah. So when I started at EcoSafe, there was really a need for um, better training and information compiled for our distribution partners. So we are we are a certified compostable bag manufacturer, and we work with a lot of different distribution suppliers across North America. And there's a huge disconnect in that supply chain, right? If we have the right tools like the compostable bag, how do we ensure that our distribution partners are uh, getting those tools to people like you to effectively uh, collect food scraps and keep it out of landfills and, and send it to compost and that sort of thing. So one thing that I was really enjoying when I first started was looking at our programs. So we have different programs that um, can be implemented wherever there's food processed, sold or eaten. So that's almost, that's almost everywhere. Right. Yeah. Everyone and says, so, oh, we don't generate food waste here, but nah, right. that's always fishy because yeah, if you eat, in this space, uh, guaranteed there's going to be food waste. So. Exactly. And so our main goal is to keep food out of landfill. And again, not everyone has had the time, especially sales reps that are out there selling a range of different products uh, for their customers. They don't always know what contamination is, how to explain that to their clients. Um, and basically, it's, a, it's one way that I can access a lot of end users at once. Um, through our our sales reps that are out there by training them how to become compost champions, how to set up programs with their bags. Because it's not just about the bag, it's about the signage. It's about ensuring that these products are accepted in their market area. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting role that way. Cause I feel like I can make an impact through the supply chain that not everyone has access to. So yeah, as a sustainability programs manager, now I am leading the design of our programs, always improving them to make sure that they're easy to understand um, and making sure that it's successful out there. Cause we, we, yeah, you know, the, you know, the troubles that are going on out there. In the yeah. Street, so yeah. And I've also seen uh, like a video of you uh, on LinkedIn, really doing a great job educating people on the importance of composting that's how I always start every training with commercial clients is give them the broad strokes of the overall picture. So yeah, what like, do you remember the video I'm talking about? And how would you summarize the importance of composting? I think you're maybe talking about Food Waste Friday, possibly an older yeah. one. Yeah, I, I think... Um, it's a behavioral change, right? To start switching from throwing your food right into the trash to a different bin, right? It's simple, yeah. but if people no, are- No, human behavior is very complex and it's, right? it's tough, yeah. Yeah, and so 
I think I'm always trying to inspire people. I don't want to drown them with, with facts and numbers. I just want them to simply know that, Hey, holy crap, our soil is dying. Like you can kind of start with that, right? Like our soil is dying. Our food isn't as healthy as it used to be. Well, how can we help make that better? How can we sequester carbon from the atmosphere? We can improve the health of our soil through the power of compost. And how does that connect to you and your kitchen? Well, all those food scraps that you may find inedible, you can actually just throw that in a bin and take it to compost. And um, yeah, of course, our programs are, are mainly focused on commercial composting, but I'm always trying to train and, and educate on the fact that reducing food waste is number one. If you can home compost, that would be number two. And then, you know, if you're lucky to have access to a program in your local community, get on board, right? Because um, yeah. a little goes a long way once you start. Yeah, a lot of people that. don't understand the microcosm of life, the universe of bacteria and fungi in soil and the importance of soil health as it relates to animal plant health, which then becomes human health. And then, you know, the way we're going through soil these days and topsoil, you know, a lot of it is just becoming dirt, you know, plain old dirt. And um, I, I think that's a great way to begin the whole educational piece. But then, yeah, you and Gary with EcoSafe, you guys have all these great programs for curbside, commercial, multi-res, uh, different composting programs that really achieve the convenient, the, making it convenient, odor and pest free, which are, you know, those are the big things. So what would you say, uh, what are big, some big things that EcoSafe is doing to grow composting's presence here in the States? Mm, that's a That's a good question. We are huge advocates for improving composting infrastructure because there are compost deserts across the states and in Canada as well, where they, you know, these programs just simply aren't happening. So uh, being involved with the U.S. Composting Compost Council, uh, they have a target organics hub that I'm sure you've heard of. And, and basically it's a resource hub for municipalities or anyone who wants to start a composting program, they can hit up that resource hub and find out how to start, you know, and it, it all starts with understanding compost and how that works. So that's one way we're, we're trying to make a shift. And then in the other way, we're, of course, like I said earlier, educating the, the corporate side of the world um, through our distribution partners and, and accessing the the different clients through through those um, supply chain connections that we have. Um, and also working really closely with BPI and CMA and, and really just building all those connections between all the stakeholders um, because it, it's a system. It's not, you can't just introduce a, a, a program without the hauler involved um, or, you know, having the right compliant uh, tools and things like that. So it's difficult. It's challenging in a way where um, each local town and community is different than the next, right? They may not have the infrastructure in place yet and things like that. So um, that's where advocating for those things and really staying on top of the current legislations that are happening. Um, like in Vermont, you know, they have food to 
landfill bans and and of course you've probably heard about california sb 1383 as yeah. well so just like really trying to help people there and staying connected with municipalities and everyone who's involved um so it's fun you get to connect with a lot of people but it it, it takes time to get it right so we just want to yeah. keep sharing information across the board i think the policy change is the biggest thing uh, and that's great to hear that such a large organization in the industry like EcoSafe is working on that. I know Gary is, you know, he understands it to the fullest extent. You know, we just need more compost infrastructure. We're pulling, you know, O-Town Compost. We had to just magically make a couple farms sign on to start composting our food scraps and you know, it, it's it's not good uh, considering how beneficial composting is. And, you know, people still don't quite understand, like, the importance of, uh, you know, having the, the healthy soil on their property. But um, I wanted to ask, like, what uh, eco-safe programs have you developed and, like, how you know, how are they exciting? And if you could describe the program. Yeah, definitely. So EcoSafe is pretty amazing. EcoSafe has been around for 20 years, which is, um, you know, we're one of the leading certified compostable bag companies in terms of innovation and, and being a pioneer in that, which is great. When I started, uh, I really took my digital marketing experience and and intertwined that into the program. So we have the tools, but to train people and really pivot to be online, especially because of the pandemic, um, that was really what I took on when I started. So the biggest and largest program and, and with the most opportunity, I believe, is our multi-res system. Uh, since so many multi-residential buildings aren't collecting food scraps for for various reasons some property managers don't know how to get started there's a lot of people to onboard um, yeah, a lot of the managers don't know how to tackle waste in in the first degree it's challenging yeah. in multifamily buildings yeah and even just to get our tools out there through our distribution partners they really need to fully understand how the tools work and how it's a patented system and things like that so i've been really able to to take that program that was existing before i started and and really come together with a great online program that helps everyone involved understand how the program works as much as it is simple there are steps critical steps to take like um, informing residents that the program is going to start, um, how to set up bags that are 24-7 accessible through the bag dispenser, um, which helps keep the residents participating because they don't have to think about buying compliant bags at the store, um, things like that. So Multi-Res is probably the program that I've focused on the most because um, it has the biggest impact. And we had a lot of success in San Francisco and across North America with that. So that that's pretty exciting and it keeps the waste room clean which is always like you know a fun byproduct of the of the yeah, system definitely um and ecosafe has the capacity to like provide that kind of education at the onset of the multi-res program cuz you know we got really close to starting a multi-res uh program in a couple of buildings and it it 
you know, seemed like it would work great once things got up and running, but we didn't feel like we had the capacity to educate the residents and be at every single like condo association meeting and, you know, and then, then the condo association, they, you know, they're, they're, they throw up their hands, like maybe they're, oh, they have enough on their plate already, but, you know, does EcoSafe kind of act as a, a educator and intermediary? Definitely, definitely. And we always want that feedback from, from great champions like yourself, Charlie, because we don't know what we don't know. And so if there's, if there is a piece of content, like we can't be there on the ground. Um, we're quite a small team here, so we can't be on the ground with you, but I can always, you know, develop content that will help, uh, implement those programs. Right. So we've got program manuals with multi-res that we can share. We've got videos on how to install the bag dispenser, for example. So if there's something that isn't that doesn't exist we're we're here to customize the program in a way so that you do have all the tools you need to implement the program successfully because mm. i know that can be there's, there's a lot of different pieces that need to be connected right so we're right. more than happy to do that we're always developing and and updating and and moving with the times so yeah that's helpful i know like you know eco safe does even have like a welcome letter for new subscribers or new residents for that multifamily building, like, you know, a simple welcome letter, letting them know about the compost program. Um, yeah, of course you guys provide all the signage and, um, yeah, that's helpful for the bag dispenser because they're, uh, they're not like the typical two, two and a half gallon bag that you would normally buy by the case. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's, that's really cool. I wanted, um, I wanted to ask, what is your favorite composting program in the, in the United States and like which citywide, I guess it could be like a citywide curbside program or I guess it could be Canada too. Uh, I think our listeners mm -hmm. and myself really need to learn what's going on in Canada because you guys are, are killing it. You're ahead of us. So it's really funny you say that actually, because I look at the States and I'm like, the States is killing it. You know, mm -hmm. I think there's a lot more um, legislation being pushed right now that just has that positive impact. Um, so to go back to the beginning of your question, though, my favorite program out there, um, there's tons going on in the States. I think one of the coolest things that EcoSafe was able to achieve was, uh, z achieving zero waste in the LA Memorial Coliseum. That was a, that was a big feat, um, back in the day, but that wasn't during my time. Um, but these days I just in a town called Waterloo, it's about an hour from where I'm where I'm living now, they have multi-res running. And so I've been mm -hmm. able to see multi-res in action and with a hauler named Acorn Hauling. And it is flawless. Like you go into that waste room and you could actually hang out in there if you wanted to. It's so clean <laughs> and pristine. And, you know, they have their 64 gallon carts lined. They have the bag dispenser there. 
And you can tell the residents are following through with, with not only that program, but the recycling. And they even have a little area where they have, um, you know, when you want to get rid of a lamp or something like that, they just have a little spot where you can put secondhand items you no longer want anymore. And so, mm-hmm. so yeah, I think seeing that program fully in action is, is pretty amazing because people, people are happy to do it when it's set up easily. Right. Yeah. So Canada is interesting because we're huge in landmass, um, but the same amount of Canadian population is in the state of California. So that kind of tells you the amount of people that are here. There's kind of a, a lack of resources um, at the moment and infrastructure, just like the states is different in every province. So mm-hmm. in some ways, um, I find like right now, Canada has a federal single use plastics ban that's that's going into effect at the end of next year and so that's going to be pretty cool because that'll help keep you know things like plastic bags out of the composting stream and things like that whereas i think in the states it's more state by state um city by city even yeah but yeah that's a huge opportunity for eco safe uh because you know, I, I liked one of your pictures on social media today that shows compostable produce bags in, in the grocery store. And, you know, those are single use and, you know, everyone tends to use, you know, upwards of 10 of those, depending on how much produce they buy. But you guys sell compostable doggy bags, uh, sandwich bags uh gloves for you know restaurants and you know prep gloves um yeah it's it's a lot of nest uh necessary things uh to kind of avoid single-use plastics and you know as a composter it's always been in the back of mind to wage war against single plastics but it always took backseat to you know diverting food waste but I, I do see that they work very in tandem. As you start to take on more food scraps, you realize very quickly that you need a better composting system to process the material. This is why I highly recommend the aerated static pile micro bin designed and made easy by O2 Compost. In 60 days, I have finished compost without putting in the labor of turning the pile. The piles heat up to over 140 degrees, killing pathogens, weed seeds, and fly larvae making the end product safe to use in the garden. With 32 plus years of experience in the compost industry, Peter Moon, owner of O2 Compost, is a leading expert in the field of ASP composting. I encourage you to set up a free half an hour consultation with Peter Moon by going to his website, www.o2compost.com. That's the letter O, the number two, compost.com. If you mentioned that you heard about O2 Compost on this podcast, you'll receive a 10% discount on the purchase of the Microbin Compost Training Program. Let me ask, uh, oh yeah, let me ask about that uh, multi-res program in Waterloo. Do you know if the hauler, like how frequently they were picking up and how many residents were in the building? I believe they pick it up once a week and they have two 64 gallon carts there for the program. So in terms of how many people, I am not sure. I'll have to get back to you on that. Mm -hmm. But it was like an old loft. It was an old factory building that was 
transformed into lofts and so maybe like quite quite spacious yeah yeah so not too big yeah but they're really pushing for more food waste diversion in the area there which is really really great and it's completely voluntary at the moment there's no there's no ban saying that um you know that food can't go to landfill so it's always great when people are on top of it i assume it's voluntary in the building too like not every unit uh, resident has to participate if they don't want to right right okay. I, I yeah i'd have to double check on that but i'm yeah that's that's the thing right it's different everywhere and because my scope is north america it's it's uh it's pretty amazing but hard to remember what's going on everywhere so we always have to like kind of get the microscope out and, and yeah narrow it down yeah. Yeah, that's interesting because when we were pushing the multi-res company, we actually formed a partnership with a, a, one of the country's large valet trash services. And, you know, valet trash is not in every city, but it's really, you know, for multifamily buildings that, you know, want to offer amenity for their residents where you just have like a container where you put your trash bag in it. And it's almost like uh, five or seven times a week, the valet trash service comes around, aggregates the trash bags and brings it to a centralized dumpster. So, you know, once I learned of this valet waste service, I'm like, why can't we do valet composting? It, it sounds like it would be uh, easy for them. So we were in talks, in discussions, and they wanted to not make it uh you know voluntary but they wanted every single unit to do it and i'm like okay like (laughs) let's do it you know there's probably going to be way more contamination a way bigger educational Mm -hmm. effort but you know we just wanted to get it off the ground so nothing ever really became of that even though i know gary has told me other valet companies in like california are really doing it So I think it'll happen someday, but um, it's just very interesting to see like what uh, the multi-res program, like it's, it can be customized in different ways and you just have to be flexible as the composter. Um, And really at the end of the day, if you do things right, you're uh, selling the the liners to the valet company and you're just picking up the 64 gallon bins just like you know they're a commer- another commercial client on your route so right right I think a, a line that I always think about is start where you want to finish right and so if you do make it voluntary then it it might just take longer to really get everyone on board and Oh, it's yeah. just crazy to think that, you know, food and, and landfills in general are just full of stuff. And I don't know about where you are in Florida, but in Ontario, for example, I've heard that the landfills here are going to be exhausted within under 12 years now. So yeah. just hearing stuff like that, it kind of, no matter what, it's just, we have to do something. So something that I've been really inspired by lately is how reusables and recyclables and compostables all work together to make a waste-free society. And in in Ontario, in the province I'm in right now, um, the circular economy is is coming through. We've got an innovation council that's working on that. 
And there's going to be a lot of cool things that happen in the next decade, I think, for sure, because we we don't have the time. So it's yeah. we're being forced to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I wonder, does Ontario have like, what is their solution for when those landfills run out of capacity? I don't have a clue. And I think that's <laughs> that's the problem. Everyone's scrambling to figure that out right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They... But I'm seeing reusables come up, which is really cool. I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, I think that's like the way you got to do it. You know, the that's why I really don't like like the lazy man's approach to waste management, whether it's single stream recycling, put everything in one bin and it can all be recycled. Well, no, it just led to like super mm-hmm. high contamination. Uh, or, you know, a lot of times, like, I guess, depackaging plants in the food waste industry, they're like, oh, yeah, don't worry about taking it out of the packaging. And that's led to crazy high contamination and microplastics. Uh, you know, you just I think the way to go is to keep the material source separated, keep it clean, mm-hmm. regardless, mm-hmm. you know, what waste stream we're talking about, like, even those bulky items that are are waste in the multifamily building, like if they have a separate area to set them aside, you know, who knows, someone might be a handy person and want to fix them up and keep them or, you know, they can at least uh, deconstruct them possibly. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but um it sounds like you are a firm believer in zero waste, which I think a lot of cynical people don't believe it's achievable. What would you say to the mm. cynics? Um, well, it's funny because I'm I'm always I'm on this delicate balance right now of okay, we gotta achieve zero waste for sure, but we have a lot of people to onboard and there's gonna be a time of transition. And so it's going to be really hard for restaurant owners, for example, to follow through with um, the cost increase by transitioning to different, maybe compostable alternatives or reusable programs or and things like that. So as much as I, you know, I'm cheering on zero waste and I'm jumping on board, I also am realistic that there's a lot of people that don't think about waste like you and I every day. They don't see the impacts on the system when they throw it into the wrong bin. And a lot of people don't care because they're, they're you know, in their own lives. I often think about people that, um, you know, have to worry about getting food on, even just on their table to eat mm-hmm. and things like that. So we really have to make sure that it's accessible and, um, and, you know, think about those different types of society and and how to get everyone on board in a way that makes sense and and all that kind of stuff. So I really take a step back sometimes and and think about it holistically. Not every community even has a landfill accessible. So who knows where their waste is going? Um, how is the so- upbringing in Canada like? It, when you were in elementary, middle school, like, did you have a compost bin in your school? No, we did not. We and, didn't. And you I think by the in, time... You grew up in what province? In Ontario. In Ontario. Yeah. Yeah. Do you and... think the elementary kids have that in, like, 
uh, British Columbia. They do. They do now, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know if they had it 20 years ago, but I think uh, for sure now, because it is mandated in areas like Vancouver and mm -hmm. they're a lot more forward thinking, but um, it really depends on the school, I think as well. Yeah. And, and the reason I say that is because, you know, if it's, you know, ingrained into the, the children at a, a early age, it really, you know, sticks with them throughout their life. And, you know, I would love to see that here. We've been, you know, beating down the doors of Orange County Public Schools, but, you know, we only have like a few schools on board. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's one way I can think of, you know, kind of superseding like the the income challenge like obviously mm -hmm. if you're in lower income like your priorities are gonna not be about uh waste you know properly mm -hmm. sorting your waste mm -hmm. yeah and we have a great school program as well that I've done a lot of work on recently as well so that's that is where we really want to put some focus for 2023 um, because, yeah, like, like you said, students want to have hope. They want to make a difference. And that's one great way for them to to start. Is by Yeah, describe the school program and how that works. Yeah, it's 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 funny because we're not asking students to do anything different, right? Just to put it in a different bin. And we can say the same thing for restaurant workers and, and multi-residential people as well, right? Uh, for schools, uh, to get students on board, we also have to communicate to the parents as well because they're the ones often packing their lunch if they're, you know, if they're the ones doing that. Some schools feed their students on on the premise. So it again, it has to be customizable to the school and its size and how it operates because not every school has a cafeteria, things like that. So we have child-friendly signage that we use um, if the school prefers that and parent take-home sheets so students can take these informational sheets or email it to their parents so that they are aware of the program. And then that way the, the parents can also start thinking about how they can treat their waste at home. So it's, um, yeah, it's an exciting one for sure, because there's a lot of schools that are starting to jump on board, especially in California, where it's being mandated. And um, so that's really, really exciting. Yeah, I mean, California is a great case study to see uh, a huge state like California take such a aggressive approach on all in all sectors, really, you know, of the economy and and just like try to get rid of food waste. I mean, they they do have landfill capacity there too. So they are, you know, mm -hmm. just being very proactive. Um, but you know, obviously they're they're politically uh a different state than like Florida or more conservative states. So I think it's um it's really interesting. I, I did want to ask to you, um, what, how do you think liners or compostable liners um, and right sizing the liners for the right bins, how do they assist in developing a compost program? 
Yeah. Well, there's so many bins out there. There's so many depending on the situation. Are you Some... a connoisseur of bins like me? <laughs> I'm actually not. Gary would be the guy. Um, because when I started EcoSafe, there was 20 different size liners and they're all based on inches or whatever right so like our smallest one would be the 16 by 17 bag and that would fit the standard kitchen countertop bin and so the kitchen caddy yes I'm a big fan of that that bin I know it very well but when we get up to you know the other size liners they just range from every size and and that's what's amazing about EcoSafe and all of our partners is that we've measured every bin out there and we have a liner for every bin that exists in North America and I forget where I got this term from, but bin infrastructure is very important in a program. And what also is important is to reuse what you already have, right? So if you have existing bins, they could be those brute round bins or um, the 64 gallon carts, for example, you know, it's important to have the right size liner because if it keeps falling in or if it doesn't stretch, you know, when you've tried to fit maybe uh, a carrier plastic bag and put it in like your garbage bin or something you know when it doesn't fit and it's stretching now and yeah. you can't have that when it comes or to food waste alternatively, so we've had clients you know we a couple weeks we noticed they're they have empty bins or very little we reach out to them like hey what's going on you know we, we notice you're not composting and they're like oh our our pesky liner is too big every time we put in a food scrap you know it just falls to the bottom and it's mm. it's a hassle so you know i think right sizing the liner for the bin and thankfully bins are pretty standardized and i'm glad you mentioned not you know you don't always have to procure new bins for a program mm. you use what they have and um you know most restaurants probably have like those brute barrels on dollies so they can just wheel them out back and wheel them to the dumpster. You know, if they have four of those in their kitchen, you take one or two and just uh, retrofit them with compostable liners, slap on mm -hmm. a compost only sign and a infographic. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, it, it and then it becomes a lot more simple. So yeah and even just the colored bag i think um can send that signal to people that this is a compostable bag and things that are right to like be composted going in here signage is very important always put a sign but uh yeah you don't want that messy you know could be moldy whatever food scraps without a without a liner because then sometimes you're gonna have to clean you the might bin have later to put the sign no in Sometimes you might have to put the sign in Braille because apparently people yeah. need sometimes. <laughs> oh, good one. Good one. Yeah. We'll look into uh, that for our, our signage <laughs> development in the new year. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was just all the frustration coming out at once. Um, but yeah, that's really uh, fascinating that you have such a instrumental job with EcoSafe developing programs. And I think, you know, I don't think uh, our, you know, kind of consumer society is going away anytime soon. So it makes a lot of sense to kind of 
replace uh, single-use plastics with compostable options. And, you know, as the reusable sector grows, um, but I, I mean, is there anything else you want to share about the work you guys are doing over there? Yeah, well, I'm very involved with what's going on. So in Canada, for example, uh, we don't have labeling guidelines for compostable products yet. Um, some states have that law, like in Washington, they they really set the standard for what certified compostable means, which is really important because consumers out there are super confused on what's actually compostable, what's not, and and, and we need to make it easily identifiable to composters as well, right? So you mentioned we do have gloves. Um, the gloves are food grade, and it's important that all of our other products as well are meant to not just not so much replace single use plastics, but replace those contamination pieces that composters are typically finding that can't be recycled. Right. So anything that's touched by food can't be recycled. It should be composted because then we can, you know, ensure that we're recovering that resource. Um, so what I'm trying to get at is all of our products are created so that um, we can ensure that all the food scraps and, and waste and mm -hmm. food soiled products make it to the composter in a way that's helping the composter, not just um, turning the composter into a secondary landfill. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So we know that the 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 the. the manufacturer of of compost is really important to the composter of course that's what that's the whole point of the, of the game right is to ensure that we have more compost for healthier soil so hopefully that makes sense that um that's what we're trying to do we're not just trying to replace single-use plastics but we're trying to reduce contamination make it easier for the composter to verify mm. um and ensure that anything that would have contaminated the recycling stream that instead it's ending up in the composting stream as a valuable resource. Yeah, how do you combat, combat um, you know, all those Amazon or online products that say they're compostable in the listing, but there's no sign of, you know, BPI, and they might even go as far as like tinting their product green, even though it's like single use plastic or, you know, it has, petroleum in it. Mm -hmm. We're huge advocates of how Washington was able to, to lead those labeling standards. And with Canada now looking to um, turn that into a policy here as well, we're, we're involved in a way where we're supporting um, what BPI and other compost certified compostable companies are doing. So to answer your question, we're, we're, staying on top of what works for the industry and for composters. And a lot of that comes from the Compost Manufacturers Alliance as well. So yeah, we, we stay involved as much as we can with local governments um, because they're, you know, it's going to take them these requirements so that uh, there's no greenwashing out there. Right. So mm. I think we're a little bit slow to the game, especially here in Canada, but the more we can advocate for that, stay involved with any consultations that are going on. Um, we're definitely always here for discussion and, and, and we're not here to also say that we're always right. Uh, we definitely want to work 
more closely with composters and, and haulers and understand what their challenges are and then reflect that back to the regulators, right? So um, that's that's how we're doing it at the moment. And if there's any other ways we can get involved, I'd love to hear from, from anyone who's who's listening. Okay. Well, thanks so much, Sammy. Uh, this has been a wonderful interview. You shared a lot of great knowledge. I highly encourage uh, other composters or listeners to reach out to you or Gary to kind of understand more how they can optimize their uh, diversion of food waste and educate. Because like I said, from the very beginning, what we're doing is hand in hand with education. So yeah and nothing is the silver bullet right it's we got to look at the local context and what works best for that area and so um eco safe's here to help we've got the expertise so we're here for it yeah i think the only way to go is just continue to be persistent there is no silver bullet yeah exactly exactly thanks for doing what you do charlie it's it's a big it's a big job so thank you well take care have a great evening bye-bye you too bye please rate and review on whichever podcast platform you're listening to if you feel like this is good content and you're learning a lot about compost 